What's up, guys? So today we have a podcast with Vigorous Steve. We're going to break this one up like I've done a few times in the past. Part one is going to be on my channel. Part two is going to be on Steve's channel. So there's going to be a link below to his YouTube, to his website, to his Instagram. Make sure to check all of that out. So I actually didn't know Steve well before the podcast. I loved how the conversation went. He's an intelligent guy. You know, it was a good back and forth. He has a lot to offer. His channel definitely delves into some topics that we don't talk about too much on this channel. uh, But I like that. I like variety. And he's an intelligent guy that backs up a lot of what he says. So I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Definitely go check out his channel after this. Give this video a thumbs up if you enjoyed it, and I appreciate it. All right, everybody. So today on the podcast, we have Vigorous Steve. Uh, I got put in contact by Leo Rex, who was on. He had mentioned, actually, Steve, and I had seen Steve. I had seen you and him have a collaboration on a few videos. And so actually, before he even mentioned you, I thought I should get you on. And then he did. And I was like, all right, we got to make it happen. So welcome right. to the podcast. Cool. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. And so, you know, with all of these, I start with a little charity donation and talking with Steve beforehand, we decided we will stick with Operation Smile. So for those who aren't familiar or who are new to the podcast, Operation Smile works with children who have cleft lip and palate deformities. So getting them surgeries and there'll be a mm-hmm. link below for anybody interested in helping out there. Yeah. So Steve, uh, you know, for people who don't know you, my space has kind of traditionally been the what they call like evidence based fitness industry, which, you know, mm-hmm. it's definitely, you know, branched out from there. And that that field, I guess, itself is, is a little, uh, it, it, I think it's hard to define at times, because some people who are who say they're in that space are not really evidence based, and it's kind of all over the place. So I noticed mm-hmm. that you, you and Leo both talk with a lot of people who are enhanced or, you know, from like the professional bodybuilding side. So what is your mm-hmm. background? How'd you get into it? So my background is actually knowledge engineering. So I went to university for a subject called knowledge engineering. It was all the topic, you know, so it was based on computer systems. And then they they tried how to automate that whole process. So whether that was uh, the IT section or the the business section or the project management section, that's my background. And then I did uh, consultancy for about four to five years up until 2009 and of course you know the 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 economic crisis of 2007 2008 2009 all the projects started declining so that that firm that i was working for uh, went bankrupt and then i i decided you know what i think this this uh you know taking this consultancy form to court so i can get my salary is going to take about six months so i took exactly six months before i got finally got my pension back and you know all the things that were yeah it was you know a horror story so after the six months, I traveled for a year to Asia. And that's how I ended up here. And then I realized, you know what? I'm, I'm never going to work for a firm ever again. I'm just going to do what I like. And that's bodybuilding. So ever since then, I've been self-employed and, you know, doing what I like is helping people. And whether that's drug-free athletes or enhanced athletes and everything in between, um, you know, half natties. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's what I've been doing. And it's, of course, been a progression ever since, because in the beginning, especially, well, it's been almost 10 years now, 10 years ago, there was not the information that we have now that we have access to now. And the science has evolved. So as, as the sport has evolved, I've been trying to evolve and learn along the way. So I'm, I'm never really stuck in my ways. And maybe things that I talked about two years ago are no longer valid because I, I learned so much along the way. Sure. So, so that's, right that's now, my short, my short backstory. <laughs> and right now you're just basically doing entirely coaching then. 
No, actually, I have multiple things that I'm working on. So I, I, I do fitness industry, of course, um, and then I have some some stock exchange and cryptocurrency okay. trading. And yeah, I, I try to keep my revenue streams spaced out um, because even though like coaching is very involving and it's probably takes the bulk of my time, it's uh, I wouldn't I probably go crazy. I did that in the first couple of years. You know, you do coaching, 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 and you have 50 clients and it's it's very involving. Yeah. And then and now I'm trying to diversify a little bit. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I coach people as well. But you know, my mm -hmm. full time gig, I'm a dentist. And so I've said before, I honestly don't know if I would really want to do just like the one thing all the time, mm -hmm. like as much as I love training and nutrition and, and researching it and working with people. It's a nice yeah. balance, you know, even like the podcast and Instagram and all that stuff. It's one, I don't like that it's so dependent on somebody else in the sense of like Instagram, like I've had my mm -hmm. account temporarily blocked before, just like randomly. Yeah. And it's like, it, I, it I can be gone like this. Exactly. Which is crazy. I mean, there are people who literally make all their money on Instagram or YouTube. And it's like, dude, like, what yeah. if that just gets deleted? I mean, I've heard of that happening. It, it sounds hard. I can't imagine if it was just like, hey, at random. Oh, super scary. Yeah, yeah, your license could just be taken away. Like, uh, like well, that could help. And also, you know, it, it, in theory, it could, but nobody's just losing their like license to practice for no reason. Usually, mm -hmm. I mean, maybe you can find some crazy exception, but I mean, I, I literally have heard of people on social media where it's just like gone because they got yeah. reported because somebody didn't like them. I mean, it's just, you know, it's crazy, but also just the fact yeah. that like social media can be kind of taxing, you know, if, if you're like a big name, I mean, not really I mean, my level, 99% of comments are very positive. Right. But once you start getting right. like the hundreds of thousands yeah. of followers and stuff, it's, they're always going to have somebody who's hating on you and you get these negative comments and stuff. So I think it changes you also because I've had friends that went from like a hundred thousand subscriber or followers to a million or 2 million. And it, and it changes your personality because I don't think human is designed to interact with that many people. Like, like you know, when you, when you went to class, you had what, 30 other students. Right. Right. That's about it. Right. And when you're dentisting, how many, how many patients do you see per day or per day? Uh, probably the same number, probably maybe like 30. Yeah. So imagine if you get messages from thousands of people every day. Right. Right. I mean, I wake up to 50, 50 messages every morning. Right. right. And that's then on Instagram. And then you go to your website in the contact form on your info at vigorsteve.com. You see, you know, another 20 emails. And then so you wake up to like maybe 100 emails every morning. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully you can, uh, you know, get that over with before right. cardio starts. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, you know, who's in the space before I got in the space. And mm -hmm. we were saying, you know, like who is out there who has been doing this for five plus years, who has a really big channel and who has not over time had to either become like gimmicky, clickbaity or change their personality. You know, I mean, it's yeah. very rare to see somebody in the space that long who doesn't change. I mean, I, I can think of a few people. Mm -hmm. um, like as far I don't watch Jeff Nippert a lot, if you, but if you know him, he seems he's got like yeah. two million followers now. He seems to be pretty consistent. Oh, but wow. Most people, yeah. like Greg Doucette, how many people have seen that he, you know, his old videos, he's kind of normal and right. he's like a normal dude. And now he's like, you know, Iago. Well, and all I, I, I think part of that, like, you know, when you first start out, you don't really know how you're going to be received publicly. Right. And I had the same thing. I mean, I suffered a little bit from social anxiety disorder. And then over the last year, you know, since I'm putting myself out on YouTube almost on a daily basis, you know, you kind of get over that roadblock and you get a little bit more outgoing. And then, you you know, as as the revenue starts to increase, 
your confidence start to increase and you see that with kai green mm-hmm. with uh you know greg Duchette. and then at one point the revenue stream is so large that they feel they can do whatever right and you right. see that in their personality whereas other guys that are very humble like john meadows for example i'm sure financially he does well because he comes from a financial background also right he, he used to work for where did, morgan chase no and you where where did he work i'm not sure he worked in, he worked in some some he worked in the banking field and it was doing quite well so he translated that into you know turning uh, his passion into a business but he's still humble yeah but it's 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 not the norm unfortunately yeah now john's great and he, he's one of the yeah. few who i think is still stayed like a really good guy in the industry he hasn't kind of been tainted by <laughs> right by this industry. he's like uh, he's like the captain picard of uh bodybuilding you know <laughs> right <laughs> So how did you and Leo get in contact? Because you guys are starting a new podcast, right? I think you just had your first episode. Yeah, yeah yesterday uh, we had to, for, uh, or today actually launched. So we recorded that on Wednesday. So in a couple of days, we'll record another episode. We uh, Leo was wor- uh, working with Amin and they had a little bit of a blowout apparently. Um, so he started his own channel because he realized he was, uh, you know, he liked it so much to help people through this uh, YouTube platform. And then a couple of his subscribers said, oh, you got to get Steve on as a co-host, you know? So, and then, you know, waited a little bit. He started his YouTube channel, took a couple months, and then we had our first episode, and then the second and the third. And now he's like, you know, let's team up and then get Derek from More Plates, More Dates on the podcast once in a while, if he can manage with scheduling issues. Right. And then uh, we'll, we'll do the bio bros, you know, try to break the internet on a weekly basis. Right. right. <laughs> with some new information, you know, because... Like the fitness industry is so much regurgitation, right? Sure. And that that's why I always laugh a little bit about when I see the science-based or evidence-based, I always say, like, okay, it's, in, it's in, uh, informative, but it's not your information. You found it on PubMed. Right. And now present it to the audience. Whereas with real experience, you sometimes realize that, okay, the science is in the right direction, but the sample size is maybe a little bit too small to actually draw a suitable conclusion that is applicable for bodybuilding or fitness or health or and of course you know like like i'm trying to learn and you're trying to learn what we know now five years from now we'll say whatever right right, right. and the science hopefully the science will adapt in the, in the meantime yeah yeah I, i'm looking forward to eventually talking with leo again and at some point mm-hmm. i know derek's schedule is probably insane but yeah. I've had a couple of people <laughs> message me and say that I that Derek reminds them of me, uh, and I guess vice mm-hmm. versa. Um, and and I don't watch a ton of Derek's videos, but the ones I've watched, there is enough things where I'm like, he seems like me if I went on gear. <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah like certain personality aspects and just things that we, we've done. Like as he's opened mm-hmm. up about like his personal life and things he's done in the past, I'm like, yeah. okay, I did that around the same time. I did that around the same time. It's kind of funny. Okay. I, I think it would be an interesting conversation at some point. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to have you on on the Bio Bros podcast for sure. I mean, you can join one of our channels because we'll we'll go back and forth week to week, and we'll just get you on. That's yeah, of course, man. Yeah, we'd love to. Of course, so, of course. You know, so I, you I, haven't I, taken the plunge yet. What's that? You haven't taken the plunge yet. Well, so I will go back to like, geez, I don't know how many episodes ago it was, um, but I was talking with Steve Hall and Abel Chabai, mm-hmm. who are both in kind of like a different, they're like the natural bodybuilding realm. And so my mm-hmm. story was, I, I've been lifting since I was like 12. And, oh, wow. you know, I clearly did not have the best genetics for it. And, and this was not like an issue of like, 
somebody who just was like messing around at the gym yeah. all the time. I, from like a very early age, had really good people like helping me out. I had people okay. like who knew what they were doing, who followed like the evidence and from like even both sides, like kind of like the sciencey natural guys and like, mm-hmm. like a professional bodybuilder in my gym. And, you know, I like, um, you know, Dante Trudell. At some point I got to ask Leo why he doesn't like Dante because I know there's something in there, but like- <laughs> Well, you yeah. hired him apparently, but he, you know, it didn't really work out. Yeah. I like Dante. I have a, a, the occasional conversation with Dante on yeah. Uh, yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. He always sent some of my clients uh, like, "Oh, bro, you're so big because they're like 120 kilos," <laughs> and that gets uh, that gets Dante excited. Right, right. <laughs> um, but anyway, so you know, after nine years of this, now I mean, mm. so I'm six one, and after nine years, oh, now okay. I'm like 21 yeah. years old. And I was mm-hmm. strong. I mean, for, you know, relatively not on like internet strong, but like in my college gym, I mean, I was deadlifting right. four or five for like 14 reps. Um, mm-hmm. I was incline benching 225 for eight. I mean, again, like respect yeah, all for a skinny, you know, 21 year old. And, right. uh, but I just wasn't <laughs> like, it took, so at this point I started at 130 and I got up to 175. Yeah. So now I put on, you know, 45 pounds of lean mass, but mm-hmm. at a six one, I'm like at best looking like athletic. So then I had a few friends who uh, started taking something and mm-hmm. I was like, dude, I've been killing myself for like nine years. Oh yeah, just <laughs> yeah, off the screen already, you know, yeah, and, and they've cycle, been looking yeah. for like one or two years. So yeah. honestly, as rational and logical as I try to be, this was like one of the most important things in my life. I mean, I gave up social opportunities. I mean, I gave up so yeah. to do it. Same, so, same here, man. When I was that age, you know, I was hard, hardcore natty until I was like 26. Yeah. So the first 11, I started at 15. So okay. the first 11 years of training, I was, you know, drug free working on my base. And back then we had no forums, you know, we had intense muscle. I yeah. think that's still around, you know, Ken Skip Hill still maintains yeah, that. And he's, dead, but it's still around. Yeah, it's still around, right? But that's where we learned about DC training yeah. back then, you know? And then I was like 19 or something, mm-hmm. you know, or, t- or 20, 21. How old are you now? Dude, wait, 37. You're 37? Yeah. Dude, you look great for 37. Are you- thanks. Thanks. I just came off cycle. So, you know, if you would have talked to me like six months ago when I was like ballooned and saucy out of my yeah. mind, I, I would have liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I looked a lot different. So... Yeah. But back then, you know, we only had the forums, right? And then you go to steroid.com and, and intense muscle and everybody's saying, oh, you first cycle 500 tests and then a D-ball kickstart, right? Which right, is horrible right, right. advice. So I just patiently waited. I just waited and waited and waited. And unfortunately, I didn't have really good advice around me. So I had to take everything off the internet because people either were sauced or they were natural like gym rats where they don't right. really care about what they're doing, right? Right. Um, and then you have like this hardcore mill road of your, you're a bodybuilder. You want to stay natural. You want to make as much progress as you can, but it's not really going anywhere <laughs> because, yeah. because genetics. Right. And, and then at one point you're like, okay, you know what? Let's see what all the fuss is about. So I would, I would postpone it as long as you can. Yeah. Because like now I'm off cycle, right? And my natural testosterone is 460 nanograms per deciliter after, you know, my baseline was 650 nanograms per deciliter when I was 26 okay. and it's stressed out of my mind when I, uh, you know, I was doing the consultancy work and then now 10 years later or 11 years later, I'm 460. 
yeah. which is, I, I still recovered. Right. It's not right. ideal. It's not ideal, but I'm able to hold on to like 95 kilos, 97 kilos of mass, yeah. even though that's how 10 kilos you? over my natural potential. How about how tall are you? Nine, five, nine. Five, nine. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty big. That's one of the things I, I wanted to delve into too, is the, the aging um, and the, uh, you know, you're talking about like your recovery, but just to, you know, finish up kind of what I was saying there, basically, you know, I, I was getting frustrated with that. So I, I started like looking into gear and I actually, I, I got very deep into it. I mean, I, I spent, I read uh, Will Llewellyn's entire book. Um, you mm -hmm. know, I, I read a lot online. I talked to a lot of people about it. And ultimately what happened was what well, I looked into, I looked into, I looked into it, but I'm, I'm extremely health conscious and, you know, mm -hmm. I've run into some pretty serious health issues in my life. And okay. so that just like scares the crap out of you, you know? Uh, yeah. and, and so I had some like tests done and basically my heart is like, Meh, it's not so great. And I'm like, all right, like, I just don't want to mess with mm -hmm. that. You know what I mean? Like, what, just, what is it going on? You have arrhythmias or some plaque buildup? What's going on? So I kind of have like the opposite of what you see in steroid users. So mm -hmm. if somebody is using, you know, just for people listening, it, it, oftentimes mm -hmm. if somebody has a life of weightlifting and using gear, you will see right. what we call a concentric hypertrophy, right? Mm -hmm. So the, you have the walls thickening and yeah. over time that, I mean, that can lead to a lot of issues, but right. um, I have what looks like an endurance athlete's heart where I have no thickening, but I have dilated chambers and oh, not yeah. sure is there it, any backflow or no, uh, very minor regurgitation, but they don't, you know, I've had cardiologists say they think maybe it was a virus. You know, I got at one point and I had some cardiomyopathy mm -hmm. from there. They don't, they don't really know, which is very frustrating of course, when you don't know the reason behind it, cause then it's harder to solve the problem. Right. So, if I was like, you know, an Ironman athlete, and then you did an echocardiogram on me, you'd probably say, oh, this is just from your athletic endeavors, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't do that much cardio. I mean, I do like a healthy amount of cardio. I do some interval training and stuff, but not, not a ton. So what we see doesn't really line up with, you know, the test results and, and how I feel and all that. So it's one of those things where it's like, I'm very passionate about lifting. I've never, you know, I have a lot of things I like to do, but I've never found anything that created that same passion, you know, where I just like cannot wait yeah. every day to do that. But mm. it's it's just not worth it for me. You know what I mean? Like, no, you gotta you gotta outweigh it. It's, yeah. it's that simple, you know, it's uh, and I've had, you know, a couple of different health scares along the way, not serious ones, but where you think, where you think, you know what, it's like, right now, I'm off because I have non alcoholic fatty liver disease, which is almost resolved. Right? Um, thank God. But it's like it. <laughs> You're, you're, you're drug free, right? You got natural bodybuilding that's here. And then you start to get enhanced and you complicate everything tremendously. Right. And, and then you're, and you're still like, which you have your natural limit, which is just your muscle mass. And maybe you're going to get a little bit of hair loss and some acne. All right. Big, big deal. Right? right. And then you add steroids to the mix and then you have to worry about cardiovascular disease and um, glomerulosclerosis, <laughs> liver sclerosis. Right. And it's, it, it just makes it very, very complicated. So if you already feel that your health is not 100%, then I wouldn't want to take the risk either, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of people will think like, man, like if I just used gear, it would be so much easier. And it's like, well, the muscle growth would be easier. Yeah. But I don't know if your life would be any easier. I mean, if you're intelligent, you're going to have to monitor a lot more. I mean, how did you find out that you had non-alcoholic fatty liver disease? I did an ultrasound of everything. 
which set me back so significantly. There was a big, big hospital bill. Yeah, you know? right, right. Actually, what what happened is, so I, I can go back. I, I check my cancer markers every year. And and the, the clinic is like, why are you checking your cancer markers? So I use growth hormone. So I want to make sure that my cancer markers are in range because growth hormone accelerates cancer growth. Right. You know, so I check those every year. And then I saw my neuronal specific annulase out of range. So I went immediately to the clinic, to the hospital, said, do an ultrasound of my lungs and my brain because it's related to many different organs. And that's how they found the non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So everything was clear. And the, uh, the neuronal specific annulase came back into range when they tested it again and a couple of related markers all in range. Mm. So, you know, luckily no cancer uh, because I do have cancer in my family. So I'm very wary about this. And then they say, okay, you have mild symptoms of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So it's like, okay, off cycle, let's take care of this first. Yeah. So I did my PCT and of course, PCT drugs are not very conducive to resolving non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. But on my latest blood work, it showed that my, you know, my liver enzymes were steadily declining. And yeah. uh, now I think it's pretty much resolved. So I do another ultrasound soon and then see where I'm at and then decide to which route I'm going to go forward. But honestly, I kind of enjoy being off cycle. Yeah, it's you, uh, me in the audience. It's funny. It's, you know, when I, when, I, <laughs> when I had, uh, you know, taken the stuff in college. So basically it was it was like the days when like pro hormones were around and everything. I mean, it was totally legal. Like it was my friend bought mm -hmm. it from a freaking GNC. And, and again, that's one of the reasons that it was a, such a big spike. And then, you know, a quick crash is because like these right. compounds, first of all, you never really know what you're even getting. But like I said, it was all legal stuff at the time. Um, mm -hmm. My liver enzymes were like, 10 times the normal range. I mean, like, yeah, like doctor, probably super droll then, you know, I don't know if it, ha I don't think it had super droll in it, but it was, yeah, it was during that time period when like super droll mm -hmm. was, uh, you know, popular. So I see the crazy stuff. liver enzymes and like 200, 300. It was like <laughs> 600. I mean, it was, it was nuts. Yeah. It That's was hepatitis. Crazy. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was nuts. <laughs> That's hepatitis. I, because I, I've seen that blood work. Like I, I did a lot of competitors, right. And then you finish off there contest prep with uh halo testing and super draw at the end because hey there's something to win and then i send them for blood work and i don't want to but i still make them right because bodybuilders are you know no, no i'll go in two months from now it'll be better you say yeah but let's let's right, see how right. bad it is now so we can take some affirmative action you know 500 600 you know and then the doctor says maybe we should check you for hepatitis mm -hmm. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> of I, course uh... it's all it's temporary you know how to resolve it but with those with those um, pro hormones, the knowledge was not there. Nobody knew about Tutka back then, sure, or injectable glutathione or non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Nobody knew how to resolve that, and there were many uh, very famous naturals during that time mm -hmm. who were oh, taking yeah. pro hormones, of course, uh, because they were, they were not on the doping list yet, and there were not any uh, any methods of testing, you know, or classified as illegal substances. But those guys. You know, when they open up later on, said they have terrible liver issues mm -hmm. because they were running these oral steroids all the time. Yeah, dude. When I was like twenty three or something, mm -hmm. I had a, like a full panel of everything done, and yeah. it read that like it showed. You know, it's like green if everything's okay, and red if it's not, and it yeah. showed hepatitis, and it was red, <laughs> and I was like, oh my god! But like I had just woken up, and so it's like. Uh -huh. 5 30 in the morning and i'm looking at this and i'm like freaking out and then i realized like wait a minute i've been vaccinated and it was just the antibody titer 
So, right. but like, again, at five 30 in the morning, I'm like freaking out. I'm like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. But I mean, so whether, you know, in this field, there's so much to learn, right? And for each blood work marker, there's, there's a couple days of studying involved. Yeah. So it takes a while, you know, and then, and then you read about the blood glucose levels. Okay. Now you got to reconsider the hemoglobin H A1C mm. also. Right. And so there's, and there's maybe 50, 60 markers that we need to keep into consideration, especially when you start taking a performance enhancing drugs. So I would do my blood work every year when I was drug free, because that was part of the, uh, the healthcare system. You know, you could do it one year for free, uh, in Holland for the healthcare system. And now I do it every two months. Yeah. I pay out of pocket and I have a, my favorite clinic where I get a nice discount and then I can do whatever I want. You know, they got like hundreds of markers that I can check, but not everybody's in that position. You know, here in yeah. Thailand, the medical situation is uh, as long as you pay, you can do whatever you want. How much does it but cost you every two months? $100, $200, $200 for a full one. That's not when good. I did my cancer, the cancer marker panels was only $100. Mm, wow. You and said you course, had an ultrasound checked, of your brain. Was it a CT scan or an ultrasound? No, there was a, a they did a, um, what is it called? X-ray, X-ray of my entire torso. CT scan, you think? Or you don't know? I'd have to look at my medical file. It was like at least an X-ray of the torso and not of the brain because the brain, of course, they had some markers. So I wanted to check the markers first and a CT scan and an MRI is very expensive. I still yeah. want to do an MRI in my heart and my brain, but it's, it's yeah. unaffordable, you know, and it doesn't fall into my medical, uh, uh, insurance. So yeah, I, I only ask, cause I would be wary ultrasound, you know, no issue MRI. If you can afford it, no issue. I would be mm. wary about, you know, some people have this idea that, oh, well we should just scan everything constantly. And mm -hmm. CT scans are actually a, a pretty significant amount of radiation. So yeah. I would not recommend most people to just do like full body CT scans or anything like that. No, or x-rays also, it's the same. I mean, there's a reason why those people walk around the corner so they don't get the, you know, the people that operate the x-rays machine, they'll just, oh, wait, 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 hold your breath. And right. they walk like behind the lead wall. Yeah. <laughs> because they stand there every day, right? And uh, so now I've done a few of those just in case when it's needed. But for the brain, it's, uh, that was mostly just done by blood work to make sure that, you know, none of the brain-related cancer markers and the lung-related cancer markers that are not, standard in a cancer marker screening. Yeah. So well, I, I think though, that's a topic that I, I do talk about sometimes. Cause again, my, I'm not like anti PD or anything like that. It's more just like from my perspective being mm -hmm. so probably overly health conscious at this point, cause of my own experiences, yeah. I'm just very wary and I see like, and again, you know, I'm probably a little nutty compared to the average person with that. So I'm not saying like, there's things that I won't do where it's like, you're probably fine. I just don't even want to like consider it. But mm -hmm. even for the average person, uh, you know, some, some people, it's great to get blood work. You know, it's something Dante yeah. preached for a long time. You need to get blood work. Mm -hmm. I always thought it was amusing when people would say, oh, well, my blood work off cycle is fine. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you, that's something to test too. But <laughs> don't you want to know what's happening on cycle? You're on a freaking 16-week cycle. Right. What's going on? That's you where you, yeah, that's where you can take some action and actually make your blood work better. You know, I've got so much blood work on cycle. It's you know, it's, it, and that's the most important to, uh, time to take it because that's the only time that you can actually make changes. And three months after your cycle, it's, right. it's pointless to do it. I'm sure it's good. And if it's still bad, then imagine how bad really? it was. On yeah. Then you really have a problem. <laughs> oh, but, uh, but one of my points was just that like, you know, blood work is great, but it doesn't mm -hmm. show everything, you know, no. I mean, 
there's a lot that it won't show. You know, you could have an enlarged liver, you could have a dilated, mm. or you know, you could have thickening of your walls. I mean, mm. you're able to pick up cardiac issues, not like atherosclerosis, but as far as like the actual myocardium, if you can pick that up on blood work, you're like way past the problem. I mean, if you really, you have like very elevated BNP levels, for instance, mm. or I mean, obviously if you have like high troponin levels or anything like that, you're having like serious issues, you know, I mean, you yeah. should, I would at least recommend like a yearly echocardiogram if you're on right. gear um, and, mm. and some other things too, we could talk about, but I'm just saying like, don't people should get blood work, but they shouldn't feel like just because their blood works okay, they're perfectly healthy because it's, it's not. No, healthy. it's just a step in the right direction. I mean, an echo, echocardiogram is good, you know, especially if you're dealing with arrhythmias. I mean, what, what bodybuilders don't realize is that every time they take a set to failure, their heart stops and then it picks back up. So that's the perfect scenario to create arrhythmias for yourself. And how many people that I've talked to have arrhythmias just from training that intensity. I had to deal with that myself as well. You do the DC training and you take three sets to fill your rest pause. And then before you know it, you're walking around with a 48 hour uh, heart uh, hold, halter, all tomorrow. these diodes around. And then you walk around that and you have to shower with it yeah. and, and train with it. And the doctor said, yeah, so you hear your heart stops and then it catches back up and you're doing this 15 times <laughs> during your workout. So you get arrhythmias during the day as well. And it's all these little things that most people don't realize, and you can't see that in your blood work results. Okay, your CPK is going to be elevated, yeah. but it doesn't tell you the full story, you know, and an ultrasound on your uh, liver and your kidneys. And yeah, it's, but, uh, you know, not everybody thinks this way. You know, you got to be a hypochondriac to uh, dive into right. the medical, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, do you have, most people just want the gains. Have you had, so you've had a halter monitor before? Yeah. I had those arrhythmias and it was scary because I would just sit there working and then boop. I'm like, what? Did you have PVCs? I'm like, what the hell's going on? You know? Was that before or after using gear? That was after, yeah. After. after. And it was not an electrolyte imbalance. There was no block. So I had everything checked. How about echocardiogram? Also, yeah, echocardiogram. And then, of course, the doctor saw that, you know, it's there's no sinus arrhythmia or weird. Um, uh, I don't even know what the medical term is, but where the, elect the electric signal goes over the heart. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were able to diagnose that I had an enlarged heart, albeit symmetrically enlarged, okay. and no thickening of the uh, artery or the walls. Oh, so you also have a dilated heart? Uh, yeah, so it's larger, but it's not thickened. Okay. Do you have any and, measurements offhand? We could talk afterwards, too. No. No, no, I don't. But I, the weird thing is, the last time I did my x-ray, and I've been using Nubivalol for... And I, months, you know, prior during the last a couple, yeah, last couple months, I was using the Bivalol, which is a, a beta blocker. Right. And they said my heart reduced in size. Really? Yeah. And so the doctor was like, how, how are you able to reduce your heart? In size? I don't know. Ubiquinol, Shilajit, fulvic acid, the Bivalol, not training so crazy anymore. Right. You know? Um, so, and, and of course, staying away from all this crazy androgenic steroids because... You know, oh, I was boy. not afraid to take some Trimbalone. Right. Um, that that's like years ago, right? Yeah. When you realize that it's a horrible. The dilation that was in an echocardiogram, but then later when they saw it was reduced, that was an X-ray. No, so and it was an ultrasound. Oh, it was also an ultrasound. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I mean, that, that's great that you were able to do that. I wonder, was one was the first one on gear and the second one was off gear? Both on gear, but the first one was on a lot more gear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is one like a gram of combined stuff. And now the last cycle I did was like 250 tests and 200 primo. 
Okay. Of course, there was growth hormone and insulin in that mix as well. I mean, it was 250 pounds. Yeah. You know. Oh, wow. Okay. Off season, off season, 255 at the max. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, you learn as you go, unfortunately. Yeah. And well, that is the thing people should know is, you know, ACE inhibitors, angiotensin receptor blockers, and beta blockers, but more so beta blockers. Uh, can actually reverse cardiac remodeling that happens mm. in response yeah. to using performance enhancing drugs. So yeah. um, if you are going to do it, <laughs> you're, you're, you Might know, as well. you're, yeah, you, you should use a beta blocker if possible because, um, and I say if possible only because like there's some contraindications to take. I mean, if you have a natural heart rate of like 40, you know, like a resting heart rate, that, that's a contraindication. Yeah. yeah. Right. But yeah. in most cases you can. Um, and I, I've considered that too. The problem is yours was probably, and I don't know, but it was probably due to your enhancement and your weight, right? It's a 250 pounds. No, and hands, hands down. There were, I had no medical issues when I was drug free. Right. Of course, right. back then I was living in Holland and you can't go to the doctor and say, Hey, can I preventively check all my organs with ultrasounds and MRIs? <laughs> right. They right, don't right. do that. You know, preventative right. medicine in, in a healthcare scenario doesn't exist. It's only reactive. Yeah. So I've been all been doing all my preventative and, and perhaps reactive sometimes when there is an issue. I've done it all here in Thailand. So most of the, you know, most of the medical details that I have about myself were when I was uh, using steroids. Right. 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 So. so it's but yeah, but the Nibivolo helped a lot. Yeah, no, it, it's great. I mean, in the fact that you're you, you probably caught it early enough. I think that's going back to why my issue is frustrating is because it's like mm. you had a clear or probably a pretty clear cause of it. And then mm. Abivalol was able to then counteract that. For me, right. it, at this point, it's been almost a decade that I've, I've been aware wow. of this issue. I mean, I could have mm. had it my whole life. I don't know because there's no yeah. of it. But so mm. if you don't have the cause, would that still help me? You know, I, I, I don't recommend somebody who doesn't have a reason for it to just take a beta blocker or really any drug. If you're taking a drug, there should mm. be a reason for it. So right. um, who knows? But anyway, the point I was just saying is like, you know, it obviously you want to stay on top of it. And it's great that I mean, you sound like you're, you know, you're pretty knowledgeable on it and you're taking the steps necessary. But that's, that's a lot more than most people. So of course, yeah, I've, of course. And the problem with beta blockers is when you're drug free, it's been shown to reduce the testosterone concentrations. So, and, and it also is counterproductive to resolve uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease because it does reduce your caloric expenditure and your heart, of course, works on fatty acids. Um, so if you're trying to resolve uh, fatty acids uh, saturation in the, in the liver, that's why I came off it now because mm. I wanted to resolve the non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. But I think that's pretty much over. And then if I do decide to go back on cycle, then yes, Nabivalol and Telmersartan will be, uh, you know, both at a low dose. So I don't get too much interaction regarding blood pressure reduction. Right, right. Uh, otherwise, you're just a dizzy all day, right? That's yeah. not that, not what we want. All right, guys. So that was part one of the podcast. Go over to Steve's channel. Link below for part two. You're going to see us talk about testosterone levels after one joins the dark side. We're going to talk about when people retire from bodybuilding and the kind of the fall afterwards when you were enhanced versus natural. We'll talk about premature aging, which is something that Steve delves into on his channel and kind of what happens when people use gear there. And then we're also gonna talk a little bit about finasteride, which as a lot of you guys know, is a 5-alpha reductase inhibitor. Uh, a lot of people use that to prevent hair loss and we delve into that a little bit as well. So again, go to the other channel, check it out. Thanks guys.